Welcome back to the Sunday Session podcast on NRL.com. Round 20 is done and dusted. My name's Chris Kennedy. Kenny Scott is with me as always. Kenny, thank you for being here. CK, I've made it 20 rounds. I can't believe I'm still here. Thank you once again. It's a pleasure. I also can't <laughs> believe it. Uh, it's also my great privilege to welcome Ruan Sims, former Jillaroos captain, now Channel 9 expert to the podcast. Ru, thank you for being here. Thanks, Chris. It's good to be here. can't believe he's waited 20 rounds to get me. I know. Well, um... We we'll have to get, make it less than twenty rounds for the uh, for the next one. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk some footy. So we've just seen um, the final mm-hmm. game of the round completed. Uh, Dragons uh, got there in the end against a Storm side mm-hmm. with not too many familiar um, faces and names. Ruan, obviously, um, not too much of a, a form guide for Melbourne in this one. But what did you take out of the game? No, it, uh, I think we knew going into it that Melbourne were resting a lot of their players and letting them freshen up to lead into the finals time. Uh, but they still had a lot of strike weapons out there. Brandon Smith, Pappenhausen was returned and also captain. But I think the biggest takeaway for me for that game was for the Dragons. Their right edge in attack was lovely. All young players, and there was one particular movement where they scored a try, and it was from a 19-year-old to a 20-year-old to a 21-year-old, back to the 19-year-old, and then a try. And just to think that this is the future of of the club, I think a lot of Dragons fans should be really heartened with that performance today. Kenny? Yeah, I I reckon, uh, speaking of Dragons fans, the first 20 minutes of that game, they would have had their head between their knees just thinking... What, what yeah. is wrong with this team? What is going on? Because the first 20 minutes, I was really surprised. Like, I thought, um, what, this is the Melbourne Melbourne Renegades. I think that's the reserve grades um, nom de plume. And so, uh, you know, a third string Melbourne side, the Dragons should account for them easily. And those first 20 minutes, they were, what, it was four tries to nil, I think, mm. yeah, at one point. Um, and Pappenhausen was just, he seemed to be everywhere. Again, that mm. first quarter of the game, he looked mm. like he was... It looked like a rep player playing with reserve Raiders, just the way he stood out so much. He was everywhere. But then, obviously, the game the game swung and balanced out. But I think there's good takeaways for both teams. Yeah, the Dragons, obviously, they end on a high note, which is great. Tyson Brazil gets the fairy tale last try of his mm, last Two game. tries. Yeah, deserving for such a great club and like he is, um, and he deserves all the success. Um, I thought Melbourne... It was good because, yeah, they, their reserve, essentially their reserve grade team did really, really well. Um, but they let the game slip. Like, they missed... Four, four conversions, which had that had they converted all the, the tries they racked up early on, it probably would have changed the way the game played out. So, um, yeah, I think a good end to the season for, um, for both teams. Mm. I tell you what, though, how good was Jaden Sullivan? Mm. He was fantastic for mine. He was so athletic and he was on the ball with absolutely everything. And Adam Clune, I thought, was also scheming quite well on that left edge. So, and you know, there's a lot of discussion about where they'll use Ben Hunt in the future. Uh, but you can't discount what Adam Clune brought today. Yeah, he's really built nicely as the season's gone on. And you, you touched on some of the young players. I think seeing Jaden Sullivan um, into the team and making his mm. debut is a great sign for the future. Cody Ramsey's added some some sparks since he's uh, debuted a couple of weeks ago. Max Fiangai um, also debuted. So some young blood coming in. You know, Matt Dufty's really sort of grown a, a level Um this year um, for yourself do you I, I don't imagine you sit around you know family wise talking footy the whole time but you obviously got um, brothers in the side it's been a, a tough season have you sort of got yeah. a, a bit of a sense of how much of a um, just a frustrating year it's been 
It has, and I think you nailed it on the head. It has been a tough year for everybody, not just uh, for the Dragons, but uh, it has been very frustrating for them because they know that they can produce really good performances and they just haven't been consistent so far this year. So they would you know, like to obviously build off what came out of that last game with some really good efforts and some really good points, build on that in the off-season, work really, really hard on Anthony Griffin. As we know, Anthony Griffin's... Uh, key ethos is work hard, work hard and work harder. And we know that this team, when they come back to start off season 2021, they're going to be chomping at the bit to get out there and play some footy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how these young dragons develop under the tutelage of Anthony Griffin. For sure. And uh, before that, we saw the Warriors uh, too good for the Seagulls finishing their season on a high. So much to talk about in this game. It was, you know, touching moment at the start when Manly players formed a guard of honour, does a show of respect for the Warriors players. And then at the end, um, we had the Hucker, um, you know, to, to say thank you. And it, obviously everything with, with Adam Blair finishing up. There were so many great moments in this one. The start, especially Manly, came right out of the blocks hard. They came up there, they went up there playing, knowing that what the Warriors have been able to put together over the last two and a half months has been nothing short of amazing, considering the circumstances that they're living in. <clears throat> and so they came, out, they came out really strong and they got off to a really fast start. And then the Warriors just clawed it back. And this, after that first 15 minutes of onslaught from Manly, the Warriors just reeled them back in and played some wonderful footy into half time. And then the second half, it was just a really good tit for tat kind of game. So I really enjoyed this game, uh, not just uh, because it was an entertaining game of football on such a beautiful location on the central coast, mm. but to see the Warriors finish on a win, knowing that they're going to go home tonight and see their families hope well within two weeks because they're going to go and have to do a quarantine yeah. period when they get back to New Zealand, but to see their families for the first time since they left, Mm. to come over here and ensure that the NRL could actually proceed and a competition could go ahead. And that is just phenomenal. And when you pair that with the efforts that they've put together on the field, as well as losing a coach through all of that, mm. I mean, that is, this is just a phenomenal, phenomenal effort from the New Zealand Warriors. And also backing up on that, the NRLW Warriors, five of their players have come over here and are going to be doing exactly the same thing with the NRLW competition starting next weekend. So, the New Zealand Warriors have just gone above and beyond to ensure that both competitions go ahead this year. Yeah, it really can't be overstated the um, the appreciation from throughout the, the rugby league community for everything that the Warriors players, mm. well, the men's players have done. And like you say, that the women's players are, are just embarking on now. Um, but just on Adam Blair, before we finish up, 50-something test matches, over 300 first-grade mm. games, probably not, you know, his peak uh, couple of seasons the last couple of years, but it's been an absolutely mighty career. It certainly has been, and he's been such a wonderful servant for the New Zealand team for however many 50-odd test matches. And over the 13 years that he's played, he's played at a few clubs, but he's always given it everything he's got. He's never taken a backward step, and he only knows one way, and that's to go forward. And as as a middle forward or edge edge forward, he's just his work ethic has been fantastic, and, you know, he's... Might not have had the best couple of seasons the last couple of years, but as soon as he received any kind of criticism, he took it and then he came back and performed. So, I mean, that's that's a champion. That's the hallmarks of a champion player. Absolutely. Kenny, have we got you back? Sure you do. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I guess, yeah, from a, a fan's point of view, the um, some really touching moments in this game. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying before my uh, mic cut out, um, 
I thought it was really great that such essentially on face value it was such a meaningless game. So winner gets tenth or, or loser might get twelfth. I think that's how it worked out. Um, had so much meaning to it um, for all the reasons that we've just gone through. Um, it was uh, a really entertaining affair, but again, um, you know, we've all been saying all season, but a great a, a great way to sort of um, say thank you to the Warriors um, and to you know the, the, the game and the fans to show their respect to them. So. Um, Everybody wishes them all the success, and yeah, a great way to end um, Adam, well, not the best way to end Adam Blair's career, but still, um, you know, uh, seeing him off with a win is, is great. Absolutely fantastic. So the previous game before that, uh, Saturday Night Footy, finished off with the Tigers and the Eels. Eels just got there in the end. I wouldn't call it convincing. Five tries apiece, goal kicking, the difference. Um, Ruan, Parramatta would have gone into this match, or uh, I don't know how closely that the players were watching the other results, but um, Brad Arthur certainly would have known that a win meant a third-place finish and a loss meant a fifth-place finish. You, you really want to be in that top four um, to finish the season. So there's plenty of riding on this for uh, Parramatta. Yeah, it certainly was. And Parramatta started off the year so well when we came back from that COVID break. So they were there and thereabouts for the majority of this year. So it was quite fitting for them to be able to finish in that top four. And I think going into this game, they would have known that the Tigers weren't going to roll over and take it. And we saw that even with the injury to Benji Marshall, which was so disappointing for him and for Tigers fans to not be able to finish that game because he is such a superstar for that club. Uh, Knowing that the Tigers were going to bring their A game when they played them. And we see the Tigers do that week in, week out when they come up against a top four, top five, top six side and they just bring the thunder. They come out with amazing plays and Benji Marshall is a huge architect of that. And, uh, you know, I think whilst the tries were five apiece and goal kicking was the difference, there was no lack of effort out there from both sides. And we saw how much it meant, especially to the Parramatta Eels. Uh, Reed Marnie wore his heart on his sleeve that entire game, I thought. And I really enjoyed seeing the players get involved with the passion and, and showing some character there. I think that's, that's wonderful to see and fans love seeing that. And you know, their middle forwards, again, Junior Paulo for the Eels was very, very strong. And I've really enjoyed... Uh, watching Andrew Davey get his yeah. first start this year as a 28-year-old player making his debut, showing that hard work does pay off. And that is that is just a wonderful story in and of itself. So I think uh, the Eels knew they wanted to play well and wanted to go in within that top four and uh, go in with a win under their belts. Kenny, obviously a resident disappointed Tigers fan. Um, you don't need to be a Tigers fan, though, to appreciate Benji Marshall, one of the most popular players in the game. So obviously a sad moment um, there, but obviously uh, no sport. You don't always get the fairy tale. Yeah, of course. Like Benji, he, in my opinion, is one of the most influential players of the last 15 years. He changed the way the game was played. He also gave an unlikely premiership to the West Tigers, for which he will ever remain in my heart. Um, and yeah, it was really heartbreaking, heartbreaking, but I hate to say it, not unexpected. You know, the Tigers um, have a habit of showing their legends out on a losing note. That's just unfortunate, one of the many unfortunate habits that the club seems to have picked up. Um, and it was even worse, or maybe it's a silver lining in a horrible way in that um, it, he didn't really get to contribute much to the loss because he was, he was unfortunately injured pretty early on. But still, yeah, a really sad way to see. Um, I mean, sad on a couple of a couple of um, levels because he's he's playing well enough to continue, and he wants to continue. It's a shame he can't do it with the Tigers. Um, and I thought, well, you know, the, the twenty minutes that he was on, he was on, um, he was on song. It was going to be a great game for him, but unfortunately, it didn't, didn't roll that way. But yeah, look, 
really this game was more of the same from both teams. Both both teams played exactly the way they have been playing for probably the last ten weeks. And the Tigers almost do enough, almost do just enough to get get over one of the the higher up the, the top eight teams, but then fall the final hurdle. And Parramatta don't do enough to dominate the way you think they should be doing in their position. Um, so you know it was a fun game though, five tries a piece again. Tigers goal kicking. Uh, um, let them down, but um, yeah, congratulations to Parramatta. Of course, you know, remove the rock of victory, attach the rock of uh, no, remove the rock of shame, attach the rock of victory, which is now having to play Melbourne, which is going to be a tough ask. But um, you know, it's been a good season for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving ahead to the previous Saturday game, and this had just a little bit of everything. Um, Ruan, the other team other than Melbourne, Canberra resting pretty much their entire first grade squad, but came out and just absolutely on fire. Some some wonderful stories in, in the lineup here. And um, Sharks, I guess, just to, you know, they are going to play finals, but they're, they're not going to be doing it with any sort of form behind them. Yeah, well, the Raiders uh, going to this game, as you spoke about, rested a lot of their players. But the difference, and this was the same for Melbourne Storm, the difference with these teams is even when they rest the players, they've got the framework that allows everybody to slot into position and the game will continue to roll. Their game plan does not change when they lose these star players. Everybody understands what their role is. Everybody knows that they need to execute their role. And we saw players uh, specifically, I'll point out, uh, Dynamis Louie, who we've only seen him been playing 30 to 35 minutes per game, averaging around that when he's come back. He played that in the first half last night and he dominated. He was so strong through the middle. He really carried that, helped show the way for that forward pack for the Raiders. And off the back of that, Tom Starling was absolutely outstanding there. He is a wonderful young talent and he's obviously been learning a lot at the knee of, of Hodgson because he has come up, with some really wonderful plays last night. So that's a real positive there for the Raiders. And for the Sharks, it was a matter of ideas were right. The execution wasn't there, unfortunately. And I spoke to Wade Graham after the game about that. And he said, yeah, it just, they they were getting themselves into position, but then they were letting themselves down by a simple thing that they didn't catch three kickoffs on the field. And it was a turnover every single time. And Josh and John Morris must have just been pulling his hair out when he was just watching that because he knows that his team is better than that. And he knows that his team can really take it to any opposition when they get out there. But unfortunately, it just... And oh, the goal line kickoff, the goal line dropout where Wade kicked it. And it was, again, the right idea. It was a good play. Execution just fell flat. You know, uh, The winger, Nene McDonald, unfortunately slipped over, missed his, missed his assignment, and then the Raiders catch it on the full run through and score untouched. So just little things like that. And, you know, Wade did mention that it was pretty windy, so that might have uh, wreaked mm. a little bit of havoc with some of the players out there. But uh, it was a game that it was described, described it as good, bad and ugly all in the one. It just had a bit of everything, even with the poor ref. Again, for the second week in a row, we see a ref <laughs> doing an injury and having to get changed over with 10 minutes to go. So... And then because the game ran long, the second game had to be held up, or the third game, sorry, had to be held up three minutes kickoff so that this game could finish and they could then move on to uh, the 7.30 game. So it was, it was one that had a little bit of everything, but I think that, uh, again, the structures of the Raiders really came to the fore and, and it showed what type of game plan they're going to have going forward into the finals. Okay. I like. I thought this, this, the good story for me out of this game was, was Sam Williams. I, I really liked yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a good tale. Like he's he's been around for a while. He's had um, you know hints of success, but he's sort of been lurking in the background. 
um, gets his crack back at first round. He's captaining the Raiders. And you could just see, like, he looked happy that whole game. He was really enthusiastic, laid on some great tries. Um, and, you know, ultimately got the win. Um, I think that's a 100% success rate as captain for him. Um, <laughs> that's that to have. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was just a really good story. I do have a, one thing that seemed odd to me, um, and I don't know if this was on purpose, were the Sharks players wearing two different jerseys? One with short Yeah, and- so the Sharks were wearing heritage jerseys last night and they one had the three-quarter, the old-style three-quarter mm-hmm. sleeves and the other was the the most common regular ones with the short sleeves. But what you probably couldn't tell from a distance was that on the jersey, it had the name and the number of every single player that played in first grade for the Cronulla Sharks. So it was a really lovely touch. And I actually really want to get myself one of those three-quarter sleeve jerseys. Yeah, yeah. I quite liked them. I quite liked them. So I do have a really good interest story for you guys as well. Daniel Vasquez, when he came on last night, the crowd went ballistic. They were absolutely loving him. And apparently during the during the year, uh, he dresses up as Santa Claus at Christmas time for the team. And he's actually got quite a good singing voice. So I challenge you right. to next time, if you interview him, try and get him to knock out a few uh, a few bars of something special, <laughs> see what he's got. I'll bear that in mind next time at a, a Sharks uh, media day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just to your point, Kenny, Sam Williams is such a, a good story. I, I've met so many good good blokes in rugby league, but um, yeah, just, you, you won't find too many better than uh, than young Sammy Williams. Just a just a real standout um, fella, and um, you know, has sort of persisted with the Raiders, even though he's sort of continually having someone recruited in front of him, or he's sort of been. He's just he's too good not to have played more NRL and every time he does get his chance he, he shows how good he is but he never drops his head and, and always just sort of puts the team first and does his best so fantastic to see him getting a, a bit of a reward. Moving ahead to the earlier Saturday game um, Bulldogs and Panthers um, Kenny just pretty much followed the form line Yeah I mean this game was just a, a, the cherry on top of the Panthers minor premiership I guess like they get presented, it would have been horrible, like an empty feeling I guess to be presented the shield after you had lost so Thankfully, they laid on a big fat win um, to make the you know the presentation feel a bit more substantial. Um, I think like the, the, the Bulldogs, nobody ever expected them to win. As you said, went to script. I didn't really think it was like a 42 nil. I didn't expect that. Like most Bulldogs wins are probably um, have a bit, bit like a grittier score than that one. But the Panthers are just red hot at the moment. Um, you know, minor premiers um, and the Bulldogs. Yeah, well, just missed out on the wooden spoon. Um, and yeah, that's basically as everything went to plan except for the alleged eye gouge. So yeah, um, yeah. Rowan? Yeah. So I think I'll reiterate the point I made about the Raiders and the Melbourne Storm. Again, the Panthers' framework—they rested a few of their real strike weapons on the edges, but they ran the same plays and they came up with the same results. Kurt Capewell was fantastic yeah. out there, and I think a lot of it—I mentioned this today as well—a uh, lot of the Panthers, all, pretty much all, except for one player, Charlie Staines, they're all healthy. All of their players, their entire roster is healthy and available for selection. And that, going into a final series on the back of what has been a really disjointed kind of year, that's a huge bonus. That's a really big bonus going into finals time. And the Panthers are playing, I think a couple of weeks ago, I heard them referred to as young and carefree. And you just see that in the style of football. You see the joy that they play with when they go out there. So that has been a real revelation. And, and like you said, getting to come up with or be presented the minor premiership on the back of 15 straight wins, that's, I'm pretty sure that Ivan Cleary would have been wanting that to be the case uh, last night. And a well-deserved win and a well-deserved minor premiership for the Penrith Panthers. They've turned a, definitely turned things around down, out there and they're playing a wonderful brand of football. 
What are your thoughts, Rue, on, um, I guess, the Penrith doubters, the, the things they would point to? The first is the youth of the squad and the lack of sort of big mm-hmm. game finals experience. And the other one is just the fact they've been winning every single week. Do, do you buy into mm-hmm. it all, the, the loss they have to have sort of thing? Can they go through and win a grand final having not lost since round seven or whatever it was? Well, I mean, that's that's up to the Panthers, how they prepare and how they come out. But I think youth is a good thing for them. They don't have finals experience, which is what I'm sure a lot of people are saying. However, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing. I think if they stick to their game plan and continue to play the way that they have been playing, then that goes a really long way. They can't go away from what has been working for them. They need to stick to the brand of football that has made them successful to date and then just add a layer of grit and a layer of determination each game, you know, or even each 20 minutes, just add something different to their game so that they continue to evolve and continue to play top-level football. But I just think they have been, obviously, considering the record, the most consistent team all year. And like I said, a well-deserved minor premiership. And I am excited to see what they bring in this final series because, as we all know, finals is essentially like a brand-new competition because everything goes out the window And it's just do or die. It is every time you take the field when you're not obviously being able to get that second bite of the cherry in the first week, it is just do or die. Everything has to be left out there and you can't can't leave the field wondering because sometimes you don't get a second go at it. So that's why I love finals football because you start to see every team, you see what teams are really, really made of. And I'm excited. I think the first game next week on Friday night, Roosters Panthers, Mm. that is going to be an absolute blockbuster. I can't think of a better way to start off our final series than that. That's, particular matchup I think it is going to be a dynamite game of football and the Penrith Panthers well their forward pack is just they are willing to work hard they get in there James Fisher Harris has been so strong Isaiah Yo has been wonderful Liam Martin has just been phenomenal yeah. phenomenal obviously Viliami Kikau is a wonderful player as well and that's that's just a few of the starting forwards I haven't even got into how strong their bench is we haven't even got into how wonderful Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary have been playing. And then you add their outside backs too. Everybody is just executing their role and knows their role to a T. So finals is going to be a good challenge for them. And like I said, excited to see Friday night. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they bring against the Roosters. Speaking of the Roosters, they're involved in the big Friday night game. Um, Kenny, I just I don't even know if I have words for what I saw on, on Friday night. It was certainly un-Roosters-like, but um, you know, for as good as Souths were, Roosters just, um, you know, I, I don't know what happened to them. It was unbelievable. So I've got a long history of um, not 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 disliking the Roosters, but just hoping somebody else wins the premiership because you know variety is the spice of life. But the first opening the opening five minutes, it looked like a standard Roosters performance. I really cohesive, scored a couple of quick try, I scored a quick try, looked like they were going to score more. And then and, and South looked like they weren't in the contest at all. Like they just seemed to be constantly on the back foot, like they just sort of missed the start of the game somehow. And then just like that, the game swung, and. It was all momentum for Souths all the time. I had no idea how it happened. I've never seen, like all season, I haven't seen the Rabbitohs play that way and not seen the Roosters perform that way either. I wouldn't say the Roosters were, like a 60-point scoreline says like calamity, right? I don't think the Roosters were that bad, but Souths were just that good. Everything they did went like turned to gold. Cody Walker was like, had a phenomenal game. We love Cody Walker on this podcast. Um, and it just, just showed, like, Alex Johnson with five tries, one that probably doesn't really count because um, it was a, you know, a check to get the tally up or whatever. It was just, it was an amazing game. It was so much fun to watch. And I hope that South can 
bring that into the final series as well because um, it would just like it would it would just add another element of excitement to it. It was it was really fun. Yeah. Great. It was an amazing game of football. I think it was that first try at the 13-minute mark. It was just from then on, South Sydney. South Sydney were just absolutely on everything. And I remember because I was watching the game at work with a few of my work colleagues, and I remember looking at the scoreline. And as you said, the Roosters were all over them for that first 10 minutes. They were dominant. They were clinical. They were moving the ball well. They were finding spaces. But South were just clinging to that defensive line. They only conceded that one early try first up. And then when it got to that 12-minute mark and someone was saying, oh, goodness me, you know, the Roosters are just dominating. This is going to be a blowout. And I said, hang on a minute. 12 minutes has gone and they've only scored four points. That's, that is, no, that's not being blown off the park here for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And then, as you said, Kenny, they just flipped the switch and it was all systems go. Cody Walker, my goodness, he is yeah. such an incredible talent. That player, and I love the way he's developed his game now. He's always been a running 5'8", but he's running some really strong second row type lines. He runs that down line with such fervour and he hits the line at pace. He's willing to take the hit. He's willing to take the contact. And that goes a long way. We, we always talk about people being competitive and competing. He is a competitor. He competes for absolutely everything. And then off the back of that, Adam Reynolds obviously was able to control the game beautifully because at points it looked like Cody Walker was just dancing around, finding spaces where a space didn't exist there. And it just made, he made everybody look like they were standing still around him. He was just that good. So I, I can't extol the virtues of him as a player uh, enough because he was great. But then I think about what the forward pack did. Normally, a couple of players in their forward pack are probably good for an error or two. No errors. They just rolled. And if someone did make an error, they defended the error and then they turned the tables back on the Roosters. And, you know, I think Trent Robinson spoke about it after the game. He took, he took responsibility for it and didn't, put, didn't try and eschew any blame anywhere else. And that's a really good sign of leadership because he said, no, I, I gave the players the week off. I might not have actually... Uh, got them up and ready for the game the way I should have. So I'll be looking at that. And I guarantee it'll be a very different Roosters outfit that turn out next week. But if South Sydney bring what they brought in that game on Friday night, the Knights would be terrified because that display was clinical. Like that is, and I said it today on the show, that is the definition of a blitzkrieg. They just went ballistic. Everything turned up trumps. Everybody was working hard. Everybody was competing. And off the back of that, their star players really stood up and took it to them. And it was lovely to see Alex Johnston, who won the, uh, wasn't known as the Ken Irvine medal back in 2014 when he won it as a rookie, but to then get his second Ken Irvine medal uh, to tie that up was uh, really lovely to see for a man who earlier this year, didn't have a contract with this club. So yeah. now for them to find space for him to keep him and retain him, because obviously he's a South Sydney boy, uh, to retain that kind of talent is absolutely amazing. And they're reaping the rewards for it now, aren't they? Absolutely. In uh, five tries, it's actually not even the first time he's done it. Second time in his career, he's got five tries in a game. I think the second of the five was his 100th career try. Um, and I think by the time he... he finished with five. He was moved into fourth all-time for the Rabbitohs on the tri-scoring yeah. list past uh, Bobby McCarthy. Um, like Amazing. you touched on as well, the um, 
the try that was uh, gifted to him, I guess, by very unselfishly <laughs> by Corey Allen, um, drew him level with Kyle Felt atop the um, the season mm-hmm. try scoring tally, and then um, miraculously jagged another one in the the final seconds to go into the outright lead mm-hmm. and, and claim that the Ken Irvine medal. So um, a lot of uh, numbers. Well, impressive stats there for Johnston. Um, you touched on also Trent Robinson sort of giving the players a rest at the start of the week. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that the Roosters weren't trying to win the game or that they were tanking or anything, but um, I think that preparation, they you know they certainly would not have seen 60 to 8 coming by any stretch, but they wouldn't have been too worried, mm. you know, in, ahead of time to not, you know, win this game to, to keep their powder dry ahead of the finals. Um, whether they can come back from a 60-point scoreline like this, who knows? But I don't think... It, of any team that could concede 60 and still be a threat in the finals, I think the Roosters, what we've seen in recent years, mm. and their, their mental fortitude would be it. Mm. Um, and, well, history does show that any team that has conceded 50 points mm. in a season has not gone on to win the Premiership. So... And as you just alluded to, I think if there is a team capable of doing it, the Roosters could do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be watching next week with real interest that Friday night game because it will determine what their preparation has looked like throughout the week and what their mindset is like against coming up against the minor premiers who, as we said, play a really exciting brand of football. Yeah, that's a, um, a mighty stat they'll have to turn around to. I think Newcastle in 2001 conceded 49 points um, in a game not too far out from the finals, and that's the, the biggest score ever conceded by a team that went on to win the premiership. So they'll have to make some more history to bag the three-peat. Um, moving on to the early Friday game, 36 points to six, the Titans over the Knights. Kenny, uh, Newcastle heading into the finals. This uh, result cost them a, uh, a home final. They're now going to have to travel down to Sydney to face the Rabbitohs, who were just talking about how good they were. Um, Panic stations? Yeah, completely. Like that's like mate, that's what you get for serving up a horrible insipid performance. Like you don't get your home final, and now you have to you're in a the sudden death final with South Sydney, who have just come off like the best win of the season. Like that's that that was like if I was a Knights fan, I would be disgusted with what I saw. That was horrible. It was just like there's no other words for it. It was really after after they'd spent. I would have thought that having been in the, the non-finals wilderness for, well, I think since 2013, finally yep. get crack it, that would have, you know, engendered some um, enthusiasm and some like, some brilliance or something. But it's like they just didn't want to be there. And I know the Titans are, they've turned the corner and they're, they're on the ascendancy and that's that's really clear as well. But I, I still would have thought that like Newcastle have the talent and um, surely have the motivation to, to show up for that game. But they just didn't. It was... Like, I have to be frank, it was awful. It was just awful. And I think they should really, like, you know, have a good hard look at themselves because you can't bring that to the finals and you definitely can't bring that against the South City team that we saw. So, four signs all round. The flip side of that, obviously, Ruan, is the Titans uh, scoring 36 points. They, they finish in ninth. They've had a tremendous second half of the season. Justin Holbrook's really worked some wonders with that team. We've seen, you know, Ash Taylor with a smile back on his face, which is a great sight for, for rugby league fans. You know, Jamal Fogarty, breakout season. Mikey Fodawaka, um, just been absolutely tremendous. It's so many good signs on the um, up on the Gold Coast. It certainly is. And listening to Justin Holbrook talk after the game. He's saying, oh, he was wanted to ring Peter Volandis and ask if they could just, you know, maybe change the finals straight up, take the top six, and then the next four play, duke it out to try and make it through. And they are playing, like, we speak about the Panthers playing an exciting brand of football. I love what the Gold Coast Titans are doing at the moment. I love that they are willing to not just work through traditional yardage sets. They're willing to move the ball early in sets and in their own 
half of football or half of the field. And I yeah. really like that because they're willing to chance their arm and find space. And space is there. You've just got to know where to move it and, and how to push the chess pieces around a little bit. You know, AJ Brimson, my goodness, like this young man has only played nine games. So he came in halfway through the year due to a back injury. He, has, he is level with James Tedesco for line breaks. Can you believe that? He's yeah. played nine games of football and I can un- absolutely understand why Kevin Walters will take him into an origin squad because this young man has an, an incredible amount of talent. We saw his second try in particular. I mean, it was over about 26 metres and he stepped and moved through eight defenders to get to that try line. He is wonderful on his feet. And then another beautiful long-range try where he turned defence into attack. And I think the thing I really like about the Titans is year is that you can see that Justin Holbrook has worked really hard on their transitions because they're not waiting they're not just sitting back on their heels and reacting to what's happening they're really really reading the play and attacking the football which is a huge difference and going forward I think you know he obviously wanted the season to go on a little bit longer Mm. but I think that they can take this into next year especially when you look at the astute buys that they've made how they've bolstered their forward pack and that is going to be huge for them going forward you mean the way this team are playing now, Ash Taylor, as you spoke about, looks so happy out there and he's playing back to playing that great style of football. And that's Jamal Fogarty has really opened that up for him and allowed him to just be a 5'8 and play the game, see what's in front of him. I love that. And their forward pack has really created a lot of space for their halves to to work and to move the ball around nicely. So also Tyrone Peachy at fullback. That's been, uh, not at fullback, sorry, at lock. At lock, yeah. He's been really good there. I've actually yeah. really enjoyed him playing in that space. So there is a, t- a team that is brimming with talent. Add David Fafita to that mix next year. And I think Tino, they are going to be a real force. So well. Justin Hobrook, yeah, they are going to be wonderful next year. So I'm really looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, Newcastle Knights, you just hear the disappointment and frustration in Adam O'Brien's voice. Uh, Adam O'Brien's voice when he spoke in the press conference post-match. So he'll be doing a lot of soul-searching and uh, coming up with some ways to try and generate uh, a bit of momentum for the Newcastle Knights, having to travel to Sydney and play a team that is red-hot at the moment. Yeah, it's a tough assignment. Um, Keeping the Queensland theme running, uh, Thursday night footy, the Cowboys 32-16 over the Broncos, two teams that really just looked like they uh, couldn't wait for the the season to be over, but the Cowboys at least finished on a high, and the result confirms the first ever wooden spoon for the Broncos. Yeah, it does, and and the Cowboys got to send off Gavin Cooper in style. He's been a wonderful servant for the Cowboys for a long period of time. And uh, JT claims that all of his 54 tries are due to him. So, <laughs> so but we, we saw Gavin Cooper just absolutely enjoy himself and really enjoy that win last night. And it was, you know, Darius Boyd was obviously very disappointed with the season and, uh, you know, leaving on that note. But I will say this for Darius Boyd, he has done everything in the game that you could could possibly do. He has had an absolutely wonderful career. Um, he has achieved lofty heights of rugby league that not a lot of players get to do. And he's had just an amazing career. And then off the field as well, I think he's developed into a really strong man and somebody who shows really good leadership. I mean, throughout this year, he was very willing to step up and talk to the media after every loss and, and yeah. really 
talk directly and answer questions and you can't you can't say anything more about that because that shows the real strength of character of him that he was willing to step up and and front everybody with some really tough questions being thrown his way absolutely so that's all eight games um done and dusted but real wanted to get your thoughts before we go on um, the nrlw season you touched on it before with obviously the, the warriors uh women coming over but um you know it's it's been a, a disrupted year Generally, there was there was a point we didn't even know if the competition was going to be able to happen. But fantastic news for everyone that it is uh, going ahead. We've seen some player movements. We've seen some big name mm-hmm. signings. A lot of talking points. So I just want to get your thoughts on sort of how it was all shaping up and and yeah, all that. Yeah, well, it's so so glad that it is going ahead uh, because we've got a lot of players out there with a lot of talent, and it really shows there's a lot of interest in the game and the talent. And the level of talent we have out there and the actual how wonderful the product is on the field is huge. I mean, we saw from the first year to last year, the speed of the game increased, the skill sets increase, and the number of eyeballs accordingly increase. So that is wonderful. We've got huge signings this year as well. We've done some big raids on the Rugby Sevens and the Rugby Union program. So uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Kaslik headlines. Uh, a number of sevens players, but we've also got Elia Green and Evania Pelletay uh, with the Warriors. And we've got uh, Mahalia Murphy is returning mm. to rugby league. She's, people don't, a lot of people don't remember this. She started off in rugby league. She played for the Gillaroos. Then she went over to rugby sevens and has done wonderful things in that game. And now we've got her coming back. She's part of the Dragons outfit down there, the St. George Illawarra. So it's wonderful to see her back in there. We've also got current Wallaroos captain Grace Hamilton is also playing with uh, the Sydney Roosters. So we've got some really astute signings there and uh, obviously generating a lot of interest in there as well. And I really, I I think these girls will go really well because they're athletes, they know football, they love the contact and I think adding them into our game is is wonderful. So it's uh, going to definitely next weekend when it kicks off, it's going to be double headers. Uh, Both games are going to be played at the one field before the men's game. And it is going to be huge. I'll be, I'll be calling the games down there for uh, channel nine. So I'm really looking forward to doing, being up in the com box and doing that. And, and, uh, talking about and seeing the talent that we've got coming through the ranks. I'm so excited. Mm, There's a lot to unpack there, but um, Mahalia Murphy, you touched on, um, was a huge loss to the game when she left and was sort of Mm. someone who constantly feature in highlight reels, both for pieces of skill and physicality, but also the sort of the big hits as well. She was Mm. involved in some some monstrous collisions. I was keen to get your thoughts actually on Charlotte Caslick. I'm pretty sure the Roosters have got her Mm -hmm. in to actually play in the halves. Um, Coming from Mm -hmm. rugby, there's going to be a bit to learn in a a short space of time. She's obviously a talent, but how do you think she's going to go with that? Yeah, yeah. I think she'll be used more probably as a running 5'8", because uh, Zahara Tamara is there. She can control the game. Uh, And then that'll leave Charlotte open to be able to play what pops up in front of her. And I think obviously there's going to be a little bit less space out there for her, but she is somebody who, as I spoke about, is so athletic and loves the contact. So I think she'll really enjoy the game. Uh, The first, you know, 10 minutes or so will be a little bit frantic for them because... uh, it's just the nature of when you change a sport, you come back and, and you're just a little bit frantic, but then she'll settle into it. I think her natural talent will really rise and shine. And especially under the tutelage of somebody like Jamie Feeney, who is a wonderful coach, and I've been uh, privileged to be coached by him at New South Wales and the Gillaroos, he is very much able to develop players. And when you get somebody of that athletic stature and bring her across, who already has a lot of knowledge, you don't have to teach them contact either. I think that is a huge bonus. And she's somebody who relishes a challenge. So as do all of those sevens girls coming across, and I think they'll make the transition beautifully. 
obviously some plenty of movement um, again this year in terms of the squads. Have you sort of had a chance to, to look at and, and tip a, a favourite or who you think is going to be the, you know, the team to beat this year? Well, the Broncos are going to be going for three in a row. So that is, yeah. that is a huge thing for them. And they've obviously retained a lot of their core players with a few new additions. Uh, but I think the Dragons at the moment, they won the Nines tournament earlier in the year. So I think they've added a lot of talent to their roster. So they're definitely going to be ones to watch. And well, like I said, won the nines. So we'll see what they come up with. They managed to snare Isabel Kelly as well from the mm. Roosters. And uh, she obviously a golden boot player going into a team with the current golden boot player, Jess Sergis. So that is going to be one heck of an attacking team that they've got down there. Pretty scary uh, centre pairing. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, for being here. Thank you for sharing your insights. Um, some some wonderful um, insights right right across the uh, the weekend's games and also the upcoming uh, NRLW. So definitely have to have you back on again soon. Thank you for being here. Love to. Awesome. And thanks, uh, Chris. Appreciate it. Kenny, I'll, I'll throw to you to uh, to take us out. Thanks, CK. Um, so before we go, I just wanted to let all the fans know that if they're looking for the good oil and insights into week one of the NRL finals and they can join Joel Kane on the Sportsbet Get Em On Side podcast, uh, which you can download from the uh, Apple iTunes podcast store, Spotify, or your general podcast catches. Thank you.